Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me read something to you and see if it triggers it. Second Epistle to St. Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters of crowd, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Any of that something? I think it demonstrates part of the world we live in. Now, it would be very, very unfair for us to say this is the whole world. Because there are many good people in the world. You, you try to live good lives, and you probably succeed most of the time. You will still up, you will make mistakes, but you try most of the time. And there will be many people you know who also will try to live good lives and be good people. But there is this element of selfishness, of centeredness, um, of, of disobedience, of being unthankful, being unholy, being unloving, being unforgiving, all of those things. And we see that happen. And you wonder why? Why is it that this actually happens? It happens for a variety of reasons. But I want to focus on one today. And that is that we end up looking at ourselves more than the world around us. And our own joy, interests, our own lives, more than those around us. We, we look at those around us as being superficial, as being something that is distant to me, so the core is about me about how I feel, about how I want to live. And so we come into that selfishness. A selfishness that is intrinsic, is basic to all of these things about love of selves, love of money, boasters, unthankful, unloving. Because of all my graciousness, everything I have points to me. But that's not the way God intended us. Of course, I must look after myself. And, you know, the basic verse of our ministry goes back to the Gospel of, of uh, sorry, the Book of Acts, chapter one, verse eight, where our Lord says to the disciples that they will receive power from on high, and the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and they will witness to Him. And He starts with in Jerusalem. Start where you are. When our Lord looks at his disciples, sees that they're weary, and says to them, Come aside and rest a while. When our Lord looks at the multitudes who are hungry, and says to his disciples, Give them to eat first. So God is not about us neglecting ourselves, He's not about us oppressing ourselves. But he is about us being giving of ourselves to others. And the thought, the thinking behind it, the, the theory behind it is this. If I'm giving you, you're giving me, you're giving each other, and we're all giving to each other, we 
actually end up making much better off. So if you imagine our collective wealth, some students in the room, this, uh, this scenario, this metaphor may go totally out the window. But apparently, our collective wealth, we're all being wealthier because there is some good and some bad and some other and some idiot. If we took that, shared it, put it into our pot, and then each of us took as he or she desired and needed. Now, that's the idea of communities, the idea of community living. The idea of the early church, where we told in the book of Acts that they had all things in common, and the church grew and prospered. And so that is how we are supposed to live, by having all things in common. The idea is, when I give of myself, and you give of yourselves, then we create this incredible wealth. And forget money now, because that's what we're talking about. A wealth of love. A wealth of forgiveness, a wealth of interest, a wealth of care, a wealth of time, a wealth of empathy. Certain things that we all need. And each and every one of us may lack these things individually and independently. But when we share them, then we have everything. And the likelihood is that because we are also different, when we pull everything we have, then we'll have everything. So I am incomplete. So there will be things that I'll be lacking. But those things will be found in at least one or more of you. Just as you might be lacking things that I might have, and others may have. So when I focus on myself and myself alone, I only have my own abilities and resources. So you see, selfishness is actually the worst thing you can do to yourself. If you think about that. We think that by looking after ourselves only, then we're, then we're binding all of that, and then we are better off. But actually, we're worse off. Because if I was able to partake of everything you have as well, I'd be that is the idea of God's creation. God made us different, and He made us with a variety of gifts. He even said um, that He had made us in His image according to His likeness. At the core, He knew us from before we were created. But then He gave us all individual gifts. And so Paul, compares us to a body with various organs and parts, things that work together that allow us to live not only having sufficiency, but having abundance. Because then we all share each other's gifts. So Paul also reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that what is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God? And he goes on to make the statement. He says, and you are not your own. You're not your own. We belong to our Lord as the body of Christ. And in this humanity, we belong 
to and belong with one another. And when we're able to share what God gives us, we all live in a moment. It's painful to watch the news or watch documentaries and see people who suffer on a daily basis. People who starve, victims of famine, drought, people who are impoverished. And there are others who live in incredible wealth. And there are others like us who live in moderate by moderate means. Maybe a little bit better off at times, a little bit worse at others. But we have all of these different manifestations of wealth. I studied the principal back at school. I don't remember much of what happened at school, but I remember this, which means that it really impacted me. There's this principal called dumping. I don't know if you've understood what that is. If, if you've studied economics, it's, it's dumping. What it does is a company, a, a country has wheat or has rice, right? And it has more than it can use more than it can sell. And if it tries to sell everything, like you know, you know, if you have an abundance of things, what happens? The price goes down. So this grain, this wheat, whatever it is, the commodity, if it's sold in its abundance that way, it pushes the price down. So what happens to the excess produce? It's dumped in the sea literally dumped in the sea so that the price doesn't drop. But while it is dumped in the sea, there are others who are dying of starvation. Horrible. And I suppose the reason I remember that, amongst very few things, is that it really impacted me. But how much of that do we do? How much of that dumping may not be brain, I don't think you have big ice fields in your backyards, or even the little studio ones. But you do have things. You have time. How much of our time is dumped unnecessarily while there are many who go without and are in need of time? They just need someone to ask about, express an interest in. Our love. How much of our love is dumped in toxic, needless, harmful relationships? Or just back into ourselves while there are others out there who need our love? I don't know the romantic one, but I need love for the person. You see, the problem with this four-letter word has come about because of authors and filmmakers that we think love is just about the romance. One person for another. The ideal relationship. That's not the love that our Lord spoke about when he said that no greater love is this than this than for a man to lay down his life friend. And you are friends, he went on to say. So that love, rather than taking it and using it just in one 
What are you? What about the love I need to express for others? Friends, colleagues, even complete strangers, and this is why love challenges us, even enemies. So rather than dumping your love unnecessarily, wastefully, use it. Use it for someone who really loves you. So people at home, we're really good at loving other people, but we forget people in front of us. And often it's not intentional. But it just happens. Because other people need it. That's the most immediate. Whether it's a, a, a spouse, a sibling, a friend, a parent, a relative, anyone. <clears throat> what about people in the community? You know, we walk up and down the streets in London, and I had this conversation with someone only recently who said, What do we do about homeless people? You know, I walk past and, and I'm in the internal turmoil. Do I give this person someone or something, or do I go? Along with the idea of this could be harmful to him or this 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 pound could be really detrimental. This pound could be um, a source of alcohol or drugs or, or wasteful life. So first of all, I'm not expert, but I don't think your pound is going to buy much of cocaine. For now, I may be wrong, but please educate me off the nature. But I don't really think you get much more time. And so rather than putting ourselves through the trauma of what do I do this, love the person and then let your love act, rather than assessing, monitoring, vet, we're vetting people. That's what you're doing. You're walking down the street, looking at someone, and you're vetting the person. Some of this problem is 
as an enemy. And so your thought towards that person, your love towards that person, your dealings with that person is just that. A person. And the same applies to those around us. Those we love. People you may see at work, those to you, people you may see in your neighborhood, you may walk past on a daily basis. We all have patterns. And I want you to think, I'm sure there are people you walk past every day, or at least two or three times a week. And you will do the very British or whatever thing we do. First thing you do, the Queen has just sent you a message. So you look at your phone. <laughs> oh, actually, no, it's not the Queen. I just need the diversion. They're so convenient, aren't they? I've, I've, you know, someone sent me a message, or I've got to look at something. You don't want to see the person in front of you, you focus on your phone. Find those people, rather than dumping your time, and we dump a lot of time. Invest in people. Think that there are people who are hungry for that time. People who would yearn to be able to speak to someone. To have interest expressed in them. To have love shown to them. To feel that they are a family. It's easy for us to look at the world and say, the whole world is so selfish. But don't forget, the world is looking at us, thinking, oh, the whole world is so selfish. We break that by solving one selfish person at a time. And you know what? I start that process by dealing with this selfish person first. Because I'll impact someone's life, and someone else may see me and think, it's not a bad idea. We actually did something nice. We actually expressed interest. We actually showed love. We actually gave value. I'm not sure. You know, it's not just evil that is infectious, good is also infectious. Love is infectious. Try when you're driving. If you spend as much time in the car as I do, you can do lots of experiments. Okay? As you're driving, and someone wants to come in, don't suddenly nose up and close every possible avenue they have in getting in, because this is a principle. <laughs> I was here first. It doesn't matter that you're running into a ditch. <laughs> I was here first. This is my lane. How do you think that guy is going to get act with the guy next to him wants to get? But try this. Let that person in and even smile. Sorry. Even smile. <laughs> even, even do it willingly. Kind hand gesture, not, not a. 
Thanks. Just a... And, and that's why you're the worst address, right? But how do you think that person is going to act when the person in front of them wants to let him? I guarantee you, in a majority of cases, I know it's been done to me, I'm more likely to say, Thank <laughs> you. 